the Recovery Revolution will be podcast on the Since Right Now Addiction Recovery Network. This is the Unruffled Podcast, Episode 37. This is a podcast about recovery through creativity. We live an intentional life. We thrive. I am Sandra Primo. And I'm Tammy Salas. And we are The Unruffled. Hey, Sandra. Good morning. How are you? Uh, I'm good. I feel a little uh, under the gun this time of year. I'm sure every single woman on the planet does. Yeah, we're Santa. You know, we're we're the we're the keeper of traditions. We're the people that kind of get it going right this season. Kind of true. Although my husband is a much uh, more enthusiastic shopper than I am, I will say he's already <laughs> tackled most of the Christmas shopping. Really? Mm-hmm. Oh my gosh. Yeah. I, yeah, I don't have that experience. <laughs> yeah. No. Okay, um, well, he comes. Nice. He comes through. Yeah, he comes through that way. Uh, I, on the other hand, will procrastinate the shopping until sometimes Christmas Eve. I'm not even lying. Ooh. Yeah. Okay. Mm-hmm. You just yep. you just stress me out. <laughs> mm-hmm. Although I'm Good. in your camp this year, I think so. <laughs> You're not stressing me yeah. out that much. <laughs> that's that's how I do it. Um, yeah. So under the gun makes me feel super scattered. That's, that's what under the gun, that's how I react to under the gun. I just get really scattered. Um, and then I, I get really hardly anything done. And then couple that with like this ongoing sort of meh that dips down into more of maybe depression, you could say, um, not not a, all of good combinations holiday season for getting no. shit done. <laughs> no, you're 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 kind of in the thick of not feeling great. I'm uh-uh. like, wah, wah, like just not. I don't know. I don't know how to describe the feeling that I'm having. Like, like I know that grief is kind of washing over me this year, right? Like I I know that. I know that that's mm-hmm. what's happening. Um, I have really kept it at bay, Sandra, and I feel like it's going to come crashing down. Yeah. Um, it, it's it's coming. So I'm just kind of giving myself permission to kind of not do all the holiday stuff. You know, like my, my tree is still half lit. There's nothing else on it. It's the only Christmassy thing in our house. And I haven't really done any shopping or made any lists. Like, that lists are my, my go-to, like what I love. But I just kind of just can't really feel it. Mm. And you know what? It's okay. It's okay. Yeah. There will be another Christmas next year. <laughs> That's true. That's true. And the thing is our whole household feels this way. So it's not, um, it's not just me. You're not just the like single Scrooge or mm-hmm. yeah. Yeah. Normally that's my husband's department and he, <laughs> and he has a good reason for not, he's in his own grief this year too. Yeah. His brother. So we're both kind of quite the pair um, and the only thing that we've done is that we planned a trip after Christmas to LA to see family and to see our friends from Paris. 
and to stay a couple nights in LA, just us, just the three of us. That's nice. That's something to look forward to. That's what I'm really looking forward to. So I'm kind of like, let's just shelve this whole Christmas thing this year. And then, yeah, maybe next year things will be better. Yeah. um, But how have you been feeling since we last talked? Just still kind of meh. I have some days. I just took a shower. That's awesome. Yeah, yeah. I love the baptismal although, shower. The baptismal. Although showers now are twofold because as much as I complain about the heat in Texas, now it's cold. And I like the cold weather, but I get really – I'm so sensitive to it because I'm so Texan and I get really, really cold. Like bone – you know, like that bone chilling kind of cold where you can't get warm Well, you just no matter how ma- much you pile on. You just had a major snowstorm. We had snow. I mean, it's insane. And there's some forecasts that say that we may have snow on Christmas. So that is just crazy town. We It hasn't snowed here. Well, I'm trying to think. I think it snowed. The last big snow I recall, um, because I took pictures of Max in the snow, he was um, – he was a baby. He was just kind of sitting up. And uh, and that was when I lived kind of out in the hill country. But I think it snowed here in Austin, too. This, I was only about an hour and a half away. Um, but that was a good snow. And he was a baby. And he's 14. So I think that's the last like good snow that I recall. I think we've had another one in between now and then. Um, but still, yeah, it just doesn't. It's a, it rarely snows here. I know when I looked at my Instagram feed, it was so great. I think you posted something like, like everybody's losing their minds. We lost, everybody lost their ever loving minds. Everybody did. <laughs> it's so funny. Oh, I loved it. It was so joyful to look at my feed, especially feeling how I do about the season and to see all of my Texans, um, Texas friends, like just basking in it, appreciating it, making <laughs> snowmen what they could with it. You know, their children just photographing them in it. It was just beautiful. I thought it was beautiful. Yeah, it was really fun. It was, was like your little surprise, your little yeah. December surprise. Yeah, it was. It was. But yeah, getting so the hot shower like that, like a silkwood shower. We I haven't said <laughs> I haven't, we haven't talked about the Silkwood shower in a long time. Feel free to use that, anybody. Um, (laughs) Tell them what, I mean, if anybody hasn't seen it, right? There's some. Remember the movie, right? You remember the movie Silkwood and they have to go into the shower to wash the the harmful, horrible radiation radiation off of their skin. And they have to take this incredibly hot shower and scrub them practically scrub their skin off um that's the silk yeah that lovely scene (laughs) that scene from that movie that's the silk shower Uh it's a handy tool in the toolbox i gotta say it it hurts but it hurts so good it's just good shower this morning and i and i'm i'm warm i'm warm now (laughs) skin's all red yeah no, that's the um, the Silkwood shower is what took me through early sobriety. I mean, I was taking three showers a day. I yeah. Was taking, and we were in a drought in California that year, and I felt really guilty. So I would take, like, my pasta water, and I would, like, be watering plants with it. I would try to use water. and Or when I was brushing my teeth, I would fill up cups. You know, when you're, or when you're washing your face, you're trying to get warm water. Mm-hmm. I didn't want to waste any of the water, so I would fill um, glasses up. 
and set them aside so when I brush my teeth I could just dip my anyhow way too much information but I had to make up for the amount of showers that I was taking in yeah because where we live we live on a well and if we run out of water you know we're out oh of water. right and so, yeah um so I was really careful with it but it was like it was ugh, that was such a great sobriety tool yeah. Mm. Such a so good are you all reason. warm and toasty this morning? I am now. I'm all warm and toasty. Mm. Well, how else has your week gone? Anything else? Uh, going just, on yeah, awesome things. My daughter had to have a little surgery this week. She has, um, so I'm, I'll try to shorten it, but she, uh, she got her ears pierced two years ago at a Claire's boutique whatever. I'm not, you know, precious about that sort of thing. And I don't really think it mattered. But the thing was her studs would constantly stick, you know, after longer than you would think they would have. And so I finally took them out and put hoops in her ears and the hoops were great. And she's had, had the hoops in her ears for uh, over a year. And so about two months ago, she got a new pair of earrings from a friend, gave her a cute little pair of earrings. And she was like, I want to change my earrings. And so I reluctantly said, okay, sh- it's been long enough. Surely you've had the hoops in for over a year. Surely your ears are fine. So she put the new earrings in and I didn't even think to even check them often or whatever. You know, she's nine. She can feel around on her ears. She knows when things on her body feel strange. Um, but in two months time, her ear ring piercing grew over her, the backs of the earrings. Like it was almost like they, it was like her lobes swallowed them up. (laughs) Oh, Sandra. They were inside, they call it an embedded earring, but they were inside of her ears poor baby and I mean you couldn't I tried to see if I could wiggle them out a little bit no way just I mean they were like they were in there they were just they just swallowed them up and I was racked with guilt of course immediately like that was my first reaction yeah mommy guilt oh yeah yeah like how could I not have noticed this, you know, I mean, it reminded it kind of I had lots of drinking flashbacks too. like, God, this has seemed like something that would happen when I was drinking, and I didn't notice things. And, um, but I, I let it go, because it was such a weird thing. And then what really helped was when we got, um, so she didn't, couldn't even go see her regular doctor, she had to go to a pediatric surgeon. And when we were um, waiting, the nurse was so kind and, um, no judgment. What's like, not even an ounce. And she said, well, you know what it means? It just means that she has a lot of really good antibodies and she's a healer. She, Mm -hmm. she's very healthy and her skin just heals very quickly. And I was like, okay, then just flip that script. Right. Right. Mm -hmm. I like that nurse. You have some nice nurses. I know. I think yeah. I feel just very, very fortunate. So, um, so yeah, so it was awful. It was really awful. Oh. She had to get these two just giant shots um, in the 
backs of each ear. And it was real. that part was really, really painful. The alternative was that we could have come in the next day and had her completely under anesthesia. And I nixed that. Just no, that sounds oh, major too much. Um, so we had to go opt for the eight inch long, you know, syringe of numbing agent in the back of her ears. And I was pretty good. The doctor gave her his phone because my phone was about to die because, of course, I wasn't thinking about this at all. But he gave her his phone and she watched Finding Nemo, which <laughs> which. I mean, come on, though. I mean, my son was like, that's the worst movie you could have been watching. And I was like, the irony is not lost on me. So she, so she's watching Nemo, and it's like right when Nemo gets lost. Mm-hmm. And, and you know, Nemo's father is heartbroken. And, um, Jesus. <laughs> and, and I'm holding her hand and I'm trying not to look. And a couple of times the doctor noticed that I wasn't intentionally was not looking. And he was like, are you all right? And I was like, yeah, I'm, I'm okay. I'm good. And I was just holding her hand and not looking and just trying to concentrate on my breathing. Mm -hmm. And, um, and then it got towards the end and I happened to look over and he was doing something with tweezers. I will not describe it. For anyone who is sensitive to these kind of things. And I, that, that was it. I felt the lights dimming, you know, if you've never passed out, <laughs> have you ever passed out? I don't think so. No, really? See, I, I, have I would know plenty of times no. and a combination of things happen The You start getting like this almost like tunnel vision, like you're, uh, almost like you're looking through a kaleidoscope and it's closing in. So that's one thing. And then the next thing that happens too is it's almost like it's hard to just for me to describe. I was trying to describe it to my son. It's almost like you're breathing um, something minty or you, you get this kind of weird, your breath starts to do something weird in your brain. It's it, I cannot describe it. Mm. Um, but both of those things were happening and I was like, Oh, Oh boy, it's, I'm about to hit the floor. Like I knew it. And so I changed seats and the doc doctor's like, it's okay. These, I, we, we, this happens all the time. You know, they're shoving the garbage can over to me in case I had a puke. And I, put my head kind of down and I just tried to like really concentrate on my breathing. Cause the next thing I was afraid of was I was going to have a panic attack because, oh, yeah. you know, cause then you start trying to control everything and, you know, and then that can make it worse. You know, you start to panic about the fact that you're panicking. And, um, was Dory during the music, uh, during the movie going, just keep swimming, <laughs> just keep swimming. <laughs> Is that happening? Swimming, Sandra. Just I don't, swimming. <laughs> I don't know. Oh. But then I went to the other. So I said, okay, I think I can walk now. Like I felt the, the then like, oh, so when it passes, if you actually don't pass out, then it'll kind of pass. And then you just break out into this cold sweat. And so that happened. So I knew that I could stand up. And then I went into the other room and the nurse is like, let me get you some water. And like the tears just, I mean, it was just like. The faucet turned on like he, I couldn't even control it. You know, just, oh. anyway, 
And then I just, and then I got my shit back together and I went back in and <laughs> Chloe held my hand and let me watch the rest of Nemo. <laughs> I was just going to say, she, you were probably this beautiful distraction for her, right? She's got Nemo going, her mom's getting tended to, and she, so she couldn't think about what's happening to her ear no, necessarily, not at right? that She's point. just like, what's she happening? Was, okay. She was taking care of me then Aww. after that. And, uh, but yeah, she's such a little trooper. Like she... I just think back to my nine-year-old self and I think I would have just been a mess over this. Like, what are people going to think about my ears? Are they going to be deformed or my, she's not even, she's just like, yeah, it's fine. It's fine. I love her. I know. She's got such a good spirit. Her whole being. She really does. She really does. I learned so much from my kids, both of them. And I mean, she is a one resilient little kid. She she's always been that way too. Like, like the fall, you know, falling, you know, when babies fall, and if you don't, you know, you're supposed to play that little trick with them, where you that little game with them, where you don't make a big deal out of it, and then perhaps they won't, you know, cry uncontrollably for, you know, thirty minutes over it. She would never even cry, hardly. Like she would really give herself some doozies, and then just kind of go you know and then and then she just move on to the next thing so anyway she's strong anyway so that's it's been yeah uh you know the things just keep coming but that's okay it's life right (laughs) all these lessons lessons. you're right our kids teach us so much so much and and my son god it's been a tough month with him and it's it's only like midway we're only midway through but I feel like we broke him a little bit, which um, I'm going to sound a little gleeful about, but we kind of had to have this like come to Jesus moment with him a few weeks back with school and social stuff and electronics and just like it all had to break in order to kind of start over again. Mm-hmm. It was really uncomfortable and it was really hard and it was really messy. Um, mm-hmm. But because my husband and I were so much on the same page, um we were galvanized, so it's like he couldn't break us. Right. <laughs> we were on the same team, which is one of the things me and my husband are really good at is is parenting together, I feel. I feel like we are on the same page. We're usually not too far from um, um, from what the other one kind of is like, yeah, I'm. that's that's what needs to be done. Mm-hmm. We, don't, we don't have to have those all those big discussions beforehand and hammer it out before we have a united front. It's just we're pretty much united about how we parent Grady. And, yeah. Um, that was really helpful because when I was drinking, I wasn't, right? I wasn't united. I was kind of flitty or I couldn't have a full conversation or I wouldn't remember what we talked about or... Uh, or I would be combative, you know? Even if oh, yeah. I was in agreement, I would just be combative just for, you know, just to being be an <laughs> asshole's sake, you know? Yeah. 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 Yeah, I would be, um, as Steve has, has said time and time again, I am less reactive now yeah. that I'm sober. Right. And so, yeah, you're right. Being that kind of react. Even if you agreed, you still had to kind of yes. show up and be an asshole. Just like be said. an asshole. <laughs> yeah. I am less of an asshole now that I don't drink. That is right. for sure. Yeah. So, But it all broke and the phone has been turning in his phone every single night into my room. Mm. He has to put it in my room because he lied. He was putting the case for the phone up on the shelf in the kitchen. And so mm-hmm. one morning I went to grab it and I was like, 
Okay, this is the trick he pulled. Really? Oh, well, I got one for you. <laughs> so now he has to turn it in in my room and plug it in. And he has at nine o'clock every night. So that's been... so he's not in his room all night on his phone. Right. Because that's what he was. Yeah. Doing. Yeah. Was wonder why he was so tired in the morning. Anyhow, mm -hmm. I could go on for this for days. I don't, I'm sure our listeners are like, boring. <laughs> <laughs> but I'm present now. He can't pull that crap with me, right? I mean, he can for a little bit, but I'm aware. I'm fully present, and I'm on this mothering thing right now. It's like I have to be – I'm glad I don't drink and have a teenager. Like, that That, that just doesn't feel <sighs> better. No. And it's uh, only yeah. going to get worse, I know, and I'm not manifesting that. I'm just like – I just know that that's life and then we're going to have way more challenges to come. And the fact that I am not checking out and that I'm here and I'm present and that um, I have my wits about me, mm -hmm. hopefully will help me. <laughs> mm. Yeah. Yeah. It certainly won't hurt. Yeah. Well, we should get to chatting about our guest today. Yeah. Um, we, um, I met our guest, uh, our guest today is Michelle Patti and she, uh, and I met, 13 years ago. Uh, oh, I don't know if I realized it was that long ago. Yeah, hmm. yeah. Grady was about 18 months, and he went to a little farm preschool out here in the country in the town of Bodega. And Michelle's daughter was just leaving that preschool. Um, and uh, her daughter's beautiful. And just, yes, yeah, so we, we, we went there to go check out the school. Um, and I met Michelle briefly, although we never connected. And it all makes sense to me now after we chat about the thing, different things she was going through. And, um, but we reconnected again and uh, recently in the last um, year and a half. And it's just been lovely. She's, she's a wonderful, wonderful photographer. Um, and she's also a textile designer. And um, she has the property that she lives on out here in West County is what we call it. And where we live is West Sonoma County. Um, her property is the backdrop for a bunch of still and video shoots and that are produced by companies like Pottery Barn and Williams Sonoma and West Elm and Pendleton, Sundance, QVC, Chronicle Books, Cost Plus. Fashion bloggers use her place a lot and musicians to come to shoot videos or um, do, photo, do um, photography sessions there. So it's a really beautiful farmhouse. And so cool. When we're talking to her today, I know you can hear the birds chirping. She went out on her porch. So some of the sound you'll hear, you know, just uh, life going on around her. And it's really, really idyllic. And I just, it's a, it's a beautiful, beautiful place for her to live and also create, you know, the work that she does. Yeah, I loved it. We had, uh, we recorded this several, not several weeks ago, but, but maybe like four weeks ago. And um, I don't even remember all the specifics of, of the conversation because I haven't listened back to it, but I just remember leaving it feeling so good about what we talked about. Um, she shares a lot of insights about, you know, the struggles and recovery, um, because it's hard, it's hard work yeah. and, um, how it relates to her as a mom and a wife, uh, and a, and a creative For sure. and For sure. yeah. Yeah, it was a it's a really good conversation, and her website is michellepatie.com. Um, we will put that in the show notes. Oh, I wanted to share. I wanted to share like back in into and this is where I was going with the farmhouse. Sorry, um, but in two thousand seven, she left her hometown of San Francisco, 
and she came to live to that dilapidated farmhouse in Sebastopol and they fixed it up. And um, after, God, it's been 10 years and all the renovations and all the failures and triumphs, um, she feels like this has brought her exactly to where she needs to be. And I felt that in the interview. I felt like she had a beautiful calmness about her. Mm-hmm. And, um, I felt like she was, uh, she seemed settled and, and, and doing a great job at her recovery. And I just love how she shared it with our listeners and was really open. Yeah. And then her uh, passion project, do you want to mention that? Um, oh, right, the- right. She um, has a passion project that focuses on local creatives here in um, West Sonoma County, and it's called West County, California. And that's the website. You can check it out. She's doing a bunch of textiles and T-shirts and interviews with local creatives. And And you can also see pictures of her home and farmhouse, right? Oh, yeah, yeah. On on the website, Mm -hmm. for sure. Yeah. Yeah. So if you want to hear more from her or learn more about her work um, or hire her, um, she uh, would love to hear from you. And I hope you guys all enjoy it. Yeah, enjoy Michelle. Good morning, Michelle. Good morning. Good morning, ladies. Oh, how is everyone? I'm well. It's raining <laughs> outside. It's perfect. I know. It's, it's raining. Is Did you say it's raining outside? It did. Oh, nice. It is just, it feels like it should be raining outside of my house here in Austin, Texas, but that's just the humidity. <laughs> it's very warm. <laughs> well, Michelle doesn't live too far away from me in terms of, I mean, it's not around the corner, but we live in the same county. Mm-hmm. And uh, yeah, it's kind of gray and just wet and just kind of a nice fall, nice fall day. Mm-hmm. Are all your, are your kids at school or at home, Michelle? They are at school. Oh, good. <laughs> I love school right now. I love it I so love much. <laughs> for them. Yeah, to get them out of the house. I'm having teenager stuff going on, so it's been uh, it's been nice to to have my time during the day. Yeah. Well, we're just gonna drop right in to the interview. We've done your bio um, in the intro, and we just we wanted to chat and let our listeners know, um, you know, about your story. And it doesn't have to be the long version, but, you know, to just kind of give them a sense of your drinking, um, maybe how old you were when you quit drinking and how long you've been sober. Okay. Um, a sense of my drinking, um, I was good at drinking, really good at drinking. Um, and, and I, I quit when I was 40 um, I quit drinking. I suffered some consequences, which led me uh, to an overnight decision to stop. And I was um, stopped for about almost 10 years. Wow. And then um, I I didn't really, I didn't do any digging as to, um, you know, the reasons, the drivers behind my addiction, um, during that time, uh, and life as it does started piling up on me again. And, um, I went back to my, uh, poor choice of tools to deal with that. And I suffered some more consequences. Um, so, so you didn't do any recovery for those 10 years. You, you just, you just stopped drinking. You were sober. Yeah. Okay. 
Yeah. So then around what time did you start drinking again? Uh, let's see. I have been in, <clears throat> in recovery for a year and a half now. Hmm. Congratulations. And I would, and three years ago, um, those consequences landed on me quite, uh, hard. Mm-hmm. And, um, and then the light bulb went off. Right. And here I am. Can I ask you if you can tell us, um, what made you pick up? Was it like, was it something you were ruminating over or did you just have like a fuck it moment and you found yourself in the wine aisle? Always curious about <laughs> relapse. <laughs> yeah, I think it was definitely an enormous fuck it moment. And um, I had a lot of um, anger, resentment that had piled up. And mm, yeah, I, I, you know, I couldn't find a solution. And, um, that was a solution I, I knew best really do it. Um, and it's like, I, any of all of my coping skills that I had, had stopped working. Right. And I didn't ask for any help. I didn't know how to ask for help. I wasn't wired to ask for help. Yeah, you're just going to figure it out on your own, right? Yeah, figured it out on my own. Mm. um, Yeah, that's that's what happened. And, um, I mean, it was definitely all all going on in secret. Um, Did you you look like you had it together to everyone on the outside? Like, was your drinking? Yeah, absolutely. I, um, I... In a, in a, <clears throat> a way, I really enjoyed. There was something like perverse um, that I enjoyed about that. Now, oh, I know of this. <laughs> I know what you're talking about. Yeah. Yeah, it was like I was I was definitely getting away with something here. Mm-hmm. Yeah, getting away with it. I've said that many times. Yep. So so when you so just just to frame this so I can fully understand. So you when you quit drinking when you were forty. And you didn't have the support. You didn't. You didn't have recovery. You didn't kind of work things out. You just stopped drinking. Did you use anything else to self-medicate or calm down? Other substances? Uh, no, I. I gave birth to two children. That kind of thing. <laughs> right. Um, right. Yeah. It's a distraction. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. They get in the way sometimes of our fun. To, um, to keep busy with that. Yeah. And, uh, I mean, and that was a time in my life too, where it was like, I mean, I, I actually felt, especially when they were babies, the most relaxed. Um, because, Things just fell away, you know. You only had one job, right? Yeah. Just to keep them alive. Yeah. Yeah. And it was easier um, to let go of, of other things. I mean, I could just, um, I, I mean, I was, I was always working, um, working, 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 you know, with um, juggling a lot at that time. But, yeah, it was, it was really, I, I, I let go of um of a lot of my anxiety. I, I don't know why that, that happened, but it did. Um, 
and then as they got older and I could kind of sink into myself again and get, you know, absorb into myself, which is, which is not a great plan for me. Um, <laughs> and that's when I relapsed. Right. Did you start like filling your plate back up with the endless tasks, the endless things to do? Yeah. And I think I, um, I was kind of, my denial of, um, reality was, um, working less effectively. What do you mean? How so? Um, I think that, you know, there, there was a way that I wanted life to be in a way that I wanted people to be. And, um, and my push for that, um, I, it was just, it was, I was loosening my grip and I didn't want to, and Mm. I didn't want to admit that I was. And, um, and that's when I, I kind of caved in, um, could, could that make, could that help you loosen that grip? Like alcohol is kind of like, Oh yeah. Yeah. Well, I can, I can back off a little bit. I'll just, fuck it. I'm just going to sit back here and just have a cocktail. If you guys are going to, if you guys are going to be that way, (laughs) if I can't control everything. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, It's going to be that way. Exactly. I, um, and I think, yeah, the, the responsibility, I mean, it, you know, for, um, my, my responsibilities were getting, uh, were piling up as well. And, and, um, I just, I couldn't face the fact that, um, I wasn't able to meet all of those commitments. Yeah. Yeah. Um, again, instead of asking for help, instead of, um, you know, being more honest about my feelings, which I couldn't do or having to admit that I'd made mistakes, um, I just, you know, went the other direction. Right, because it works for that, right? It alleviates that, at least in the, you know, first 20 minutes of that first glass. Mm-hmm. It it definitely, I mean, there's a reason why we did it and why we were good at it, <laughs> because it works. And, I mean, yeah. I think there's time, and we do different types of drinking, you know. There's a drinking we do when we start, you know, with whatever age that is for people. And then, um, that carefree, lovely drinking. Right. The party, the celebration, that drinking. Yeah. Yeah. With the, when you have the stamina, like, you know, you wake up in the morning and it's like, it never happened. You don't. Oh yeah. It's just like, you can just keep going. And, uh, and then the type of drinking that as you get older, um, it's definitely, it's definitely feels different. Way different. We've talked about that on our show quite a bit. Yeah. It feels way different. Um, I think it's for a couple of reasons. I think, yeah, we don't have the same energy and the same stamina. It affects our sleep differently. Yeah. Um, you know, hormones definitely come into play or lack of hormones, whatever seems to be happening. In our forties, and yeah, it's just so much heavier. I mean, it just—I mean, it just feels heavier mm-hmm. all the way around. Yeah, there's a thickness. I mean, I, 
definitely yeah. a sludge. Like yeah. trying to push through that and I mean, it's so ridiculous. Like I have always been um, fairly fitness minded in a way. And just to try and keep all that propped up while I was drinking and using. (laughs) Yeah. And, you know, keep going for those runs, keep hitting those yoga classes. And um, I mean, it got just more and more ridiculous. Right. I mean, it's just putting a Band-Aid on it and and really it's just to try to trick yourself into thinking everything's fine yeah and i i pursued i mean i like to talk about how i mean definitely i don't recommend going to therapy um while you're active in your addiction because because <laughs> you're going to waste your money um i look, i know that one yeah a lot of different um sources to try and understand what was going on with me um, only because I didn't really want to look at what I, what I needed to give up, what I needed to stop really um, to lay bare the, the truth, you know? Yeah. Well, and the fact that you had had some time, some sobriety time too, it's like, even if you weren't considered, even if you didn't consider yourself in recovery, you can't really unknow that. Yeah, you can't know the fact that you at least felt better, your body felt better, and um, so of course you have to just stay in denial. You can't look at that mm-hmm. if you're gonna keep going. Yeah, right. Can you can you share with people how you got sober? Is that uh, comfortable? Yeah. Okay, yeah, because I think that's an important part of your story that I think is really powerful. Yeah, I had decided, again, another um, kind of Band-Aid approach, although, I mean, I'm so glad I did it, but I set up um, with my friend Dana, we decided to do these accountability calls. Um, She lives uh, far away from me, so we um, decided to touch base on a regular basis and um, with some calls to... um, talk about, you know, what we were trying to get done and, um, ways to move forward in our, with our tasks and different things and roadblocks and just, um, she sent me a, um, text about, um, a rehab in Marin. Um, and I was just getting ready to leave on vacation, um, And I just, it just seemed kind of random. Like I didn't know where it was coming from, um, her recommendation. And so I just put it in the back of my mind, um, for a week. And then when I got home, I, I don't know how or why, um, what propelled me, but I just called them the next morning and, um, and started, uh, in their outpatient program, like a couple days later. And it was definitely felt like I was um, being pushed by something outside of myself, something bigger than myself um, to get me there um, because I had no intention of uh, of that. I'd, and uh, I was in um, outpatient rehab for five months. Um, and what did that what did that look like for somebody who doesn't know what outpatient rehab, what that means? Outpatient rehab looked like for me, um, it was three nights a week, um, in group and individual therapy sessions. Um, 
and then I followed that up with um, seeing a uh, psychotherapist that specialized in addiction for six months. And um, when I, I also layered in a um, starting off in a 12 step program um, on top of that. So, wow. Yeah. And you're a, you're a mom and a business owner and don't you live out in the country too? So that was probably quite an effort. It, it was an effort. It still is a big effort. It's kind of, um, something that I, I still struggle with balancing all of it, you know, that I, um, I, I just look around at, at all these people and keep wondering how are they pulling this off? You know, I, mm-hmm. I, um, Yes, it does take a lot of, um, I mean, it's such a worthy, worthy, um, task, but, um, yes, it's, um, to, to balance that with my family commitments, my work commitments, um, can be quite daunting at times. And I, I still feel, you know, the guilt tugs at me as far as who I'm just, where am I giving my time? Who am I giving my time to? How much to myself? How much to my family? How much to my friends, my work, all of it, you know? Mm-hmm. Yeah. And I, I think real struggle, I think that, um, like going, yeah, going to outpatient in that time, something that you've mentioned to me before is like, you had the support of your family, like the buy-in of your family. And when you told me that Michelle, like, it was like a light went off in my head and I was like, that's true because, um, when I started going to meetings, you know, I'm slipping out the door early in the morning before anybody's awake. Right. I'm coming back. They're just getting out of bed. They don't really see my recovery. When you have to leave your home and drive to outpatient three days a week, your family sees it, can feel the difference or where they have to like pitch in. How how important was that for you, for your recovery to have your family, you know, really see you? Um, Or do they? Yeah, I guess I'm making an assumption there, but. I don't think, um, you know, unless your family, I, I, I think it's very difficult for your family to see what's what's really going on and I don't think I think that expectation is is a tough one and so I just I basically not, not to you know, simplify it too much but I just didn't think about it yeah <laughs> you're saving I yourself could, you're saving your life yeah, I, couldn't, <laughs> I couldn't I couldn't think about it and um you know you the recommendation is that your recovery is your top priority and as far as what what that looks like in regards to your own individual life especially if you have children um it's nice in theory but how you manage that on a day-to-day basis um is another story it's um there's challenges immense challenges to that i think and um it's still a work in progress for me and, and my spouse, you know, and how we are navigating that. Yeah. I think that that the interior job that we're doing in recovery, right. There's no way anybody could know what that's like. And I don't know that it is for anybody to know. It's just, they're going to reap the the, the byproduct of all the hard work that we do, you know, Mm -hmm. so that when we go to these meetings or we go have coffee with a friend who's in recovery or, um, write about our struggles or do something creative with it. Like that's really such an interior job, which 
is so beautiful. I think, right. I get to know myself. I get to have all these thoughts. I get to have all these revelations. Um, and not that I need my family to know exactly everything that I do, but it's a lot of work, right? And putting that first is how we succeed. Cause if you don't, I feel like it's really hard. Like it's, it'd be really hard to recover if it's fifth on the list, mm-hmm. you know? Yeah, I know. And it, but at the same time, I, I mean, I, I totally see where, where you're talking about the struggle part of it. Michelle, because, you know, at some point, I think, I mean, we don't graduate, right, and get a certificate and say, <laughs> congratulations, done now. you're recovered. And Wait, done. what? Hold on. I like certificates. But, but right. But at some point, your family is kind of like going, all right, well, um, you know, when are you gonna lay off all yeah, that? Come back, come back. Yeah. And it's- come on back. Hasn't enough time passed? (laughs) Yeah. And my, you know, I put a lot of time and effort into managing other people's lives, especially those close to me, you know, Mm -hmm. which would be Mm -hmm. my husband and my kids. And um, so to do a 360 and, you know, decide to go inward. And get selfish. For a good year. Yeah. It was was quite a shock all around. Yeah. Shock to them, shock to me. And, uh. I didn't understand it. I didn't, you know, I'm still figuring out how I'm supposed to respond, um, to the world. Yeah. Yeah. I am too, Michelle. (laughs) You know what I mean? I think that's our learning. Like we just keep, it keeps unfolding. Right. Yeah. And, um, and all the work that we do, like all of this, even just sitting here talking with, you know, with you and Sandra, like this is such, um, it satisfies me though. and fills me up in a way that I never thought it would. Like I, I really thought I was going to be on the periphery of everything. Um, you know, when I started going to meetings, you know, I want to sit on the, the outside last row by the door, leave, don't engage. Don't, you know, that was, that was the beginning, but it's different for me now. And I get really, um, really filled up by other women that are walking the same path. You know, especially, um, especially at my age, like I am happy. I I just never thought this would be, I never thought I'd want to be making friends. I gotta say, I really wanted to be all alone is what I thought because I wanted it to drink, you know, all alone, drink the way I wanted to, or hang out with people that allowed me to drink the way I wanted to. Um, Right. That, that becomes a real priority. Yeah. Oh yeah. But that, that's the prior, that's the number one. And that was above my family. So that's how I can put my recovery sometimes above my family when I know I got to get to a meeting first thing and I can't take my son to school or make breakfast. My husband's got to be on deck for that because I feel, I always say wonky is the best way to describe it for me. I don't feel even. And I know that if I can get even, then everything else is going to flow in my day and in my life. And, um, but it's, it's, it's a, it's a constant juggling act as a mother. I mean, we have a, a hard job. Um, right. and it's not just being a mom, it's the being the entrepreneur for you. I'm sure. And for we're, all of us for working from home, um, for managing our households. Right. I mean, it's a lot. Right. Yeah, absolutely. Um, yeah. And I think I became one, um, one thing that happened is I, I did become a lot quieter. 
I mean, I had a lot to think about and I was putting a lot of, and still am putting a lot of energy, um, towards figuring some stuff out. And I mean, just the fact that I kind of moved in the world, um, quieter, uh, was, um, an adjustment for the people close to me where they thought something wrong or they thought I was being secretive or they thought, you know, um, I wasn't being affectionate enough or all of that. And it's just, it's, it's hard to explain. It's like, no, I'm just using my energy right now, um, to process all this new information about <laughs> that I'm right. learning about myself, you know, and, mm-hmm. uh, it's a whole new world. Yeah. That's an understatement. <laughs> yeah. Being con- just being contemplative. That's an interesting, that is an interesting point. I, I definitely can see the times where I've done the same thing and, um, yeah, my kid, especially my son, he's real and we're in tu- real in tuned with each other. Um, he's always, uh, what's wrong, mom? What, something's wrong. Some, what's wrong with you? Right. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. And then just to have to constantly explain yourself, like, no, I'm just processing the world differently than I did before. Yeah. We were, we were chatting briefly with a a former guest um, named Megan Peters and um, just talking about being married and, um, and kind of, you know, we change yet. They didn't, our partners didn't really sign up for that change. Like they may have wished it may, they may, my, my, my spouse, I know wished that I didn't drink so much, but so, but I don't know that he signed on for this recovery that I've done. Right. And at what point, I mean, not that I need him to, but it is kind of like if he went off and did some spiritual quest and he started changing in this really dramatic way, it would be hard to be the spouse of someone changing so much, you know, is that, how is, how is your household? Like, is it, is it feeling okay for you? Not really. No. (laughs) (laughs) Okay. That's the short answer. I just mean like, I just, I was referring to just the treatment and being home, probably having to hold down the fort and knowing that, you know, he he was on deck for dinner or whatever, you know, like that's gotta be a big change that he didn't maybe sign on for. Right. Yeah. And I think, you know, we, um, as women, it's like this stuff that's easy for us to manage. Um, you know, our spouses, maybe not they, they find that stuff really difficult, um, at times and they feel quite put out. It's like, you know, dude, can you, you're going to have to manage dinner for three nights a week and then some, because I've got other meetings to go to as well. And, um, or know all the schedules. That's- right. <laughs> right. And the fact that they just really like to know that you're there. Right. You've got some, yeah. Right. I mean, he could be watching the game or doing whatever. Um, just the fact that he knows I'm, I'm somewhere in the house is comforting. And I, you know, I, I forget that. And, um, whereas me, it's like, no, I got shit to do, dude. I got like, <laughs> to do this, 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 and this and come home and then handle this. And I'm going to leave again. And then I got to do some work and get on a call with my sponsor. And then, you know, it's, um, so yeah, that, um, has been, a big adjustment and it, we're still adjusting. Sure. Yeah. And, um, yeah, I that's think, a, that's a work in progress, right? I mean, that's just, that's just the, a fact. 
Yeah, and I've tried to be very mindful about it. I mean, I don't want to be... I, I remember my husband said to me, he's like, but you're not a group person. And um, when I started in a 12-step program, and I... Um, you know what? I am a group person. Hmm. I really like um, hearing people that um, in a group setting share um, real honest truths about themselves. Um, people I don't know very well often, you know, um, and I like holding hands with, you know, a stranger at the end of that hour. Hmm. or not a stranger. Um and then going about my day and um it definitely it just like you said it i mean it fuels me it gives me something that one hour that i need and i can't quite put my finger on it often what is that thing you know what did you just get in there well stop trying to figure it out just you know right right just keep doing it if it works right yeah that that was it for sure for me michelle because um um, when I started going to my morning meetings, there was kind of this, it's not magic, I know, but there was just something I couldn't put my finger on, like you said. And that's what I went to four meetings a week. Um, two years ago is kind of when I started going and, um, I would get up out of bed and just grab whatever was on the floor and go. And I didn't care how I looked. It, It felt like such a safe place to me to just be raw and kind of natural and tell the truth. Okay. I, I hadn't kind of, ex- I hadn't, I hadn't, I don't think I'd experienced that ever in my life. No, I know I haven't until that. And it's, it's really beautiful. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I mean, it's interesting cause there's definitely a structure to it. Um, but I love how when things go sideways <laughs> within that structure, <laughs> I know, I know of what you speak. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Well, and I just love it too. When we in, in recovery, when we get to question our old stories, you know, you said that, you know, you weren't a person that liked group activities, but then you get to question. It's like, well, I actually do like this. <laughs> I actually do like this group activity. So I guess, you know, I can't really say that anymore. Um, I, I, I do that all the time with, you know, things that I say, oh, that's just that, um, that's not for me. That person's not for me. That activity's not for me. And then, you know, sure enough, I question, as soon as I can question that and say, really, is that true? Maybe it is. Maybe it actually is for you. And, um, I, I just, I, I, I love going back and questioning all those stories because that's what we did when we got sober. It's like, you know, birds fly, fish swim we drank right (laughs) (laughs) but turns out that you know we can change that story and um I just I I I love that part of it I love that we get to do that Mm -hmm. I know it it was always there it's funny it's like we just didn't know it was an option yeah to change our story right Right. It's almost like I feel like a big thing I've been thinking about lately and um, in writing about privately is that I, I'm in recovery. I, I'm giving myself permission 
to do things, to think differently. Like what you just said, Michelle, like I'm giving myself, I'm, I'm not a group person or I don't want any more friends or I have enough female friends or I only want one or two. No, I have, I have so many female friends now in recovery that I just never thought I would connect and text and chat and share and want to go do things with, you know, in out in the wild. <laughs> like that has so surprised me because my story was that I only have a best friend and I haven't maybe one or two other close ladies. Like that's it. That's all I need. But I've really surprised myself about the female relationships and the, and especially at women's meetings. I, I just thought I would, like I said, always sit in the back and just leave immediately, but that is not the case. And I'm, I'm happy that, that I, I let myself change that story. I gave myself permission to say like, it's all right. Yeah. This is available to you. Just, just take it, <laughs> mm-hmm. go with it, you know, but something, you know, we just hold ourselves back when we're drinking. I don't know why it feels safe at the time, but it's not, it wasn't healthy for me at least. Well, I think too, it's like you are only showing the world one part of yourself mm-hmm. um, because it, you feel like if you, if you're really honest and showed the world all parts of yourself that, um, no one would, would like you very much. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Well, I think also it's like the experience of, of, for me, the experience of going to my women's meeting and sitting there and hearing all these beautiful truths, right. And that maybe sometimes I get to say one or two and I feel zero judgment in the room. I've never felt so held and supported and loved and you can feel it. Like I can feel it. And before I would have been judging the person talking, I would have been so self-conscious. I couldn't have talked, you know, um, I couldn't have received any of all the, you know, any of that stuff unless I was in a, unless I was working on my recovery. Like, I think I would have been, it would have just paralyzed me. And I think sometimes when I hear women going in the rooms and saying, you know, it wasn't for me, um, that's fine. Cause it's not for everybody. But, um, I think too, if we can sit a little bit in that discomfort, I think if we can stay in that seat, there's like so much to learn. Um, not necessarily, I think in the beginning, you maybe not, don't worry about the big book and all of that, but I just feel like I'm just learning from women, like how they mm-hmm. present themselves, how they, um, speak the truth, how they are sincere, how they reach out to other women, even the women that I, maybe I think I'm not going to learn from that are, I'm having a hard time with. They teach me the most about myself. Like if I take the time to think about my behavior or why I'm um, reacting. Anyhow, I just, Mm -hmm. I feel like there's such value with women and I'm just, I'm really grateful that I've opened myself up to that at this stage in life. Yeah, me too. Yeah. Agreed. Um, so maybe we should meander into your creative world, Michelle, because you are a phenomenal photographer and very well known here in the Bay area and do really, really beautiful work. Um, what was your path to becoming a photographer and your schooling and your background a little bit? Do you mind sharing a little bit of that? Oh, yeah. I went, um, to CCA, California College of the Arts, and, um, I majored in photography. Um, I actually came out with a double major, photography and textiles, um, and ended up 
merging the two of those down the line, which was kind of a surprise to me, but um, I've been shooting professionally for about 24 years. And um, yeah, I, uh, I started a company called Archival Decor about six or seven years ago, which was um, took all the my interest in design and interiors and photography. And uh, it was a line of textiles um, printed with my images on them. And those are the two, yeah, two things I've pursued mostly um, for my work. Um, Your textiles are beautiful. Thank you. Yeah, I remember seeing one in the San Francisco 7x7 magazine um, in the back. It was a correct me if I'm saying the wrong thing, but it was more, it was like a, not a poof, but like a, a, a rectangular, um, like a soft cushion, like what you put your feet on maybe like a floor pillow. kind of. Oh yeah. The Ottoman. Yeah. Ottoman. Thank you. Oh. I couldn't find the yeah. word. Um, but it, it was so beautiful and I immediately felt like I knew it was yours without really knowing because we weren't, we weren't friends. I mean, we knew each other from our children being in school briefly together mm-hmm. way back when in preschool. Um, but then I think just staying in touch with the director of the preschool and knowing kind of what you were doing. And I was like, this looks like, and then I read the word, I'm like, Oh, this is Michelle. And I looked it up online and looked at your work and yeah, it was, they're really cool. Thank you. That makes me feel so good that I, I mean, that there's like a feeling I can, that I've been able to, I don't know. Oh, your work. No, no. I was going to say, it's really the highest compliment when somebody can recognize your work just based on your style. Oh yeah. It's the highest compliment. Yeah. Well, I'm giving you the highest compliment because that's in all, all of your work. Uh, I feel that way. Because I, I'm a photographer also, and I work in textiles. And yes, it's definitely, I just, yeah, I, I can, I, I get no, I don't get any more um, excited or prideful, I guess is the word I'm looking for when somebody says, oh, I could tell that was one of yours because, you know, they, they can see your style. It's, right. like, it's like your creative signature, right? It's that's who, yeah, that's your work. Yeah. yeah. Hmm. So what? How is it? As archival, what's going on with archival decor now? Well, I think. Um, I mean, I'm kind of in a transitional phase right now. I um, right around the time, about a year before I went into recovery, I started a new line called West County, California, which was continuing in the same vein as archival in a way, but adding, um, some different stuff in different products and, uh, really inspired by, um, my beloved West Sonoma County. Um, and I, I mean, I've, I did get some momentum going up on that. And now, um, I have to, some decisions to make, you know, and, uh, as far as where I want to take that and, um, and, yeah, that's that's kind of where I'm at. I mean, I'm still shooting on a regular basis, pretty regular basis, and um, I think I'm. I mean, I'm I'm in a place now where I have decisions to make as far as um, the direction I'm going and and how sustainable is it for the life that I have here. You know, I mean, there's work I would 
I'm really interested in doing. Um, and as far as how profitable that would be immediately, or is that something that would take more time? And, and if so, I, I think sacrifices are going to have to be made, you know, for me to want to pursue the things that are really kind of close to my heart right now, where, where I feel driven to look at. And, um, like sacrifices, like giving up other work or sacrifices with, 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 what do you mean? I think, I mean, it's, um, it's just as far as my lifestyle, I mean, and life and style have always been, um, two things together that have been very interesting to me. Um, but, uh, just, I mean, I'd like to pull back and take some time to try different work and to, um, you know, I, it's just I, the, it's expensive to live in California. Yeah. I was going to say, <laughs> yeah. Exper- yeah. Experimenting though, doesn't always pay the bills right away. Right. Exactly. So yeah, you have to be practical sometimes and then you have to like, look and see what you can sacrifice. I totally completely understand. Cause we only like we were talking about before we only have so much time. Um, and we only have so many minutes in the day. And then if we're separating that between uh, our recovery, our family, um, you know, we have to, yeah, we have to make choices. And some things, unfortunately, you know, have to be looked at. Yeah. And that's a conversation that I don't have that often with um, other artists or people that are cre- working creatives, you know. Um, that part of it. And I think that that's the part too, that I've, I haven't been willing to look at. Um, cause I kind of wanted to keep propping all of it up, you know? Yeah. Um, I just, I'm, I'm at a point in my life where I'd like to try new things. I'd like to make some changes. And so the practical side of that, and what does that really mean? It's kind of the messy question. Right. Yeah. Right. Well, so, um, well, so just so our, our listeners know too, if, if you're, if you feel comfortable sharing this, Michelle, but you are so creative, right? And so you are, you're constantly, your, your style, like you were talking about your home. I mean, I've seen pictures of your home and just so beautiful and y- you have, you've gotten creative probably with how you, 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 um, make a living by using your home as a source of a, re- a revenue stream, right? Right. Yeah. Do you mind sharing a little bit about that? Cause I think that's, I mean, super brave and, but that's a lot of juggling and your family has to buy in. So could you tell our listeners a little bit how you do that? Yeah, we, um, we rent out our, uh, farmhouse for, um, location shooting and, um, that was an unexpected, um, arena that I just, I never, it was kind of a surprise how we got into it. And it was, it's been a perfect fit, um, for me, you know, that I, I get my, um, city, city people back up here and, um, they get to dip into my world and, um, all kinds. And then there's the design piece. Cause there's, uh, we have had so many different, um, companies up here, uh, Williams Sonoma Group, Pottery Barn. We just did a Toyota commercial. Um, Pendleton, uh, God, uh, Serena and Lily. Just so many different um, 
companies whose work I really admire. And um, it's been um, just really inspirational to watch other people work and to be a part of that creative process in the way I am a part of it, which I couldn't quite describe. I mean, but I do, I do kind of set the stage for them in <laughs> with this thing. Yeah. My, and, um, yeah, so it's been, I mean, it's, it can be super chaotic and, um, there's some up, upheaval and yeah, my family does have to get on board and they, I mean, they're, they're used to it now, but it's, um, it's pretty, it's, pretty comedy like at times when you know we've got week-long shoots set up here and their stuff is everywhere through the house and all the beds are moved around and you know it's they started yeah. <laughs> while I'm getting the kids off to school so um yeah it's been it's been um a real gift actually to me on many levels um to have the the shoots here yeah yeah, that's a whole nother, I, I see you, I just, that word creative director popped in my head because I can see you definitely. It's kind of my dream job, actually. It's probably what? Yeah. It's, it's my dream ju- job. Someone asked me what my yeah. dream job is and I just, yeah, creative director. Well, yeah, because you have the vision, right? And then, and you're very good at organizing and you're very good at um, putting all the pieces together and, yeah. and that is, and you have this beautiful vision too. So yeah, I, that's totally I could see you. I could see you with that title on your desk, Michelle. Thank you. <laughs> For sure. But so, so I was going to ask, um, it sounds like, are those the birds chirping in your country farmhouse in the background? That's right. Okay. I love it. Okay. That's going to be a nice little background for us just to frame it. Michelle lives in a beautiful, beautiful home. I'm in charge of, yeah. <laughs> um, but so how do you feel like your creativity has changed during your, um, journey, this year long, you know, year and a half journey during sobriety? Do you feel Absolutely. like shifts? Yeah. Huge. It kind of got, um, kind of got turned upside down, you know, it, and, um, I'm trying to be patient with that. It's like all the things I liked, I don't like anymore. Dang. <laughs> Or so many of the things I thought I liked, I don't like, or I'm done with, you know, you mean like, like, like tasks that you did or, or had to do in your creative pursuits. Like, give me an example, because I find I'm finding this out too, but it's taken me three and a half years to figure it out. Give me an example first and then maybe that'll help. Um, okay. I hate editing photos. I hate it. I hate it. Um, so, but you know, it's one of those things that um, I also feel like I couldn't hire somebody to do it because then, you know, how do you how do you how do you translate your desires to another person? Um, but I actually hate it, so uh, I'm kind of you know it's uh, it, where I so I thought I wanted to grow my business in a certain way. I'm finding that maybe perhaps I don't want to grow it that way because it would just mean I would have to edit more photos so right. now yeah. that's interesting because I actually love editing now uh-huh. it's um it's kind of mindless in a way right yeah it so is. those types of tasks um allow me to be still which is uh something I wasn't very good at before 
I was kind of like a shark, always moving, and so stopping is was hard for me. It's still hard for me, but um, so I find that if I'm looking at hours of post production, I'm okay with it. I mean, it is exhausting. Um, yes, it can be. I mean, it's just very um, kind of I don't know, boring's the word, but um, tedious. It is tedious. Yes. But I kind of look at it as a break now, whereas before, uh-huh. yeah. Yeah. So what what is one for you? Can you give an example of a, something in in your creative world that you don't like anymore? I'm just so curious. I don't like having to assemble as much um, groups of people and get them in line um, to take pictures of them, large groups, to form them in a way that I I... I want to see them formed. I, I, I much prefer now to capture them the way they are instead of trying to make everything really pretty. So more natural, not posed, right? Yeah. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Now for the types of jobs I shoot, that's not always really acceptable. Right. Right. When you're dealing with, yeah, yeah, I know, I know what you're, I know what you're talking about. Yeah. So I guess, I would like, I mean, I'm, I'm looking for a bit, a lot more honesty in in my work, Hmm. which is a challenge to get compensated, um, for that type of work, which means that I have to get off my ass and look for the type, those types of clients that I, that would allow, you know, that where I can do that, that type of work or, or just trying to find my balance in that, you know? Yeah. Yeah. What's expected of you versus, you know, where you feel like your, your, your work is taking you. Yeah. Where I'm landing these days. Yeah. Yeah. Um, so, so I, w- I know that you, you do, um, shoot, um, some weddings in San Francisco and probably other places, but I mean, I know that you do shoot weddings. How is that a challenge at all? Um, with the alcohol and things around, I know Sandra and I have talked about this, or is it more that you're just there to do a job and you're just really focused on getting in and getting out or doing the job? Does that ever being at an environment like weddings are just kind of booze fest normally? Um, or at least they were for me. (laughs) Does that ever come into play Michelle for you? Um, not really. I mean, I think that has been, uh, luckily for me, I don't really feel, um, triggers that often. Uh, so that, that hasn't been a challenge for me as much. I mean, I kind of, I'm an observer, so it's, I've had the ability to observe and, I don't feel the need to participate on that level, um, that, that pull to, to escape. Yeah. I like to be in observation mode and I, I'm much better when, um, when I have no substances inside of me, you know, it's, uh, it's a cleaner place to work mm. from. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. You're, you're. And, your lens, right, your camera lens, but also your personal lens is just focused. Yeah. 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 So, no, it, that that hasn't been a challenge. I mean, did you guys have to alter your schedules or, or the, the assignments you took or whatever was going on with that to as a workaround to that challenge? 
Um, well, for me, I, 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 you know, I never went to a job drunk or, you know, drinking, but oftentimes I would go to a job where I had not really had enough sleep, um, because I had, you know, probably drank the night before and it would inevitably affect my sleep. And, uh, so, wow. Yeah. I, I can definitely show up differently now. I, you know, feel alert. I feel like I'm a hundred percent in, you know, it's not just the 75% of me there. And, um, it makes all the difference. And it's funny too. I mean, when I look back at some of my work, um, during the times when I was drinking and using, it's like, I mean, there's a part of me that says, wow, that you did some really good work back then. Sure. (laughs) And so to reconcile that and to find that new place is, um, been an interesting process for me. Um, because I, I'm not going to be doing that type of work anymore. I mean, it's, it's, it feels different to me now. And, um, and I can't look at that as my, my reference point anymore, if that makes sense, you know? Yeah. Yeah, it does. Yeah. I I just only thought I could write if I was drinking. So, um, and I drank out in my little studio too. So I don't do that anymore. And, um, I don't feel the need to, and I don't feel afraid like I used to feel. I had such fear before, so I feel I'm definitely not fearless, but I I'm just sturdier. It's like the best way I can put it. Like I don't. That's a great word. I just feel that way now in my sobriety. I feel really grounded and sturdy. Like I'm like okay, there's this is the non-negotiable. Like, and I create from a place that it just pleases me, you know. And you know when it doesn't. And to feel that too, to know when something doesn't feel right. I don't know that I ever felt that before. I just drank it away. Yeah. You know, so yeah, yeah, it's definitely, um, it's different. The creativity is different. Um, I just feel again, permission. It's just given me permission. Being sober has given me permission to do a lot of things that, um, that I would not have done before if I were still kind of in that small, dark place of drinking and that self-loathing and self-pity and that place. It just, uh, it kind of released me once I stopped drinking, it released me from that place. Not all at once, but there's kind of an unfolding, like I said, that happens. And, and I'm, I'm like two, a little over two and a half years. And, um, just now starting to feel a little, you know, that sturdiness now. Yeah. Another thing I, I think has been, um, a challenge for me is, I had to definitely um, learn humility because it wasn't a natural um, part of my character, I would say. Um, It didn't come easy for me. And I've really enjoyed um, learning about humility. However, it's kind of conflicts with um, what it takes um, as far as getting visibility from my work and to be able to stay humble. How do you reconcile the two? I'm curious because I, 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 I know what you're talking about. 
I think it's definitely um, had an effect as far as how much I, for right now, I still don't know what to put out there. I'm still, I'm still in the process of reconciling that, you know, um, how to show my work and stay humble at the same time. Yeah. It's a, it's a struggle for me and I'm still learning my way through that. Mm-hmm. That, um, yeah, the whole concept of, of humility is a big one. Um, you know, what is that step six for me? And, um, I just, I spent a lot of time on that step because I wasn't sure, you know, what that meant. Um, and I resisted it, of course, cause I like to resist like everything, <laughs> But when I could finally see, like, I think the, 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 the big part of it was just like to be willing. Right. I I had a little, that was like my, my way in. That was how I dropped into humility was just like finding my way in saying, I'm willing to be willing and to let it kind of go and to look at kind of my, some of my character stuff that was going on. Um, and really look at it, right? Because we don't, we don't, in, or I never did look at my judgment or my procrastination. Like I knew these things about myself, but I never wanted to pause long enough and, and, and stay hovering in that spot. And I think yeah. when we start, you know, doing that, like, oh, you know, you expose all your stuff and then you meditate on them and then you just start accepting things. And I just, that, that was, um, that was just important. And I don't think anybody had ever talked to me about humility in my life before. Me neither. Right. So totally new kind of foreign concept that I was like, I'm not really sure what that means. (laughs) Um, but it all came together, you know, like I just felt like when you, when I finally surrendered, um, a lot of things, I just calmed the F down too. You know, that brought me down about 12 notches. Like you said, kind of this inward thing that's happening and not to make me small or not to say that women need to get small and get humble. That's, that's not what I'm saying, but there is kind of a quiet inwardness that that invites when you think about that. And when you, when I did that work, that really helped me. Um, it just helped me in a way that I was surprised, you know, and I'm glad that I was open and willing to receive those lessons and I'm still receiving them. (laughs) I think for me, you know, what, what the steps did with help me, um, you know, see, help, help me, give me the ability to examine my ego and see when that's coming into play, you know, and, um, and question my intention. I think it's an, I think it comes back to intention and that's mm-hmm. how I have started to reconcile, um, you know, for instance, humility and self-promotion right. or, um, humility and, um, you know, feeling the need to, um, represent myself in a certain way, represent my work in a certain way. Right. Um, for me, it, it, it always, I, it just comes back to intention. And I'm saying this because f- f- it's fresh on my mind <laughs> because I, um, had to deal, I had some issues come up just this morning with a client and, um, and, and this was from a shoot 
from like three years ago, but it made me pause and question my intentions. And, you know, and, and, and I think if my intentions are to, I mean, this sounds so esoteric, but to share beauty with the world (laughs) through my eyes and through my lens, then I feel okay with that. Um, so, but it's a, it's a, it's a, it's a, it's a line to examine for sure. And I can't say that I examined it ever before. Um, I mean, if anything too, I, you know, I can fall the other way and think I'm, you know, the biggest piece of shit in the world too, which is also ego. Right. So, um, but it's something that I, I never really examined before recovery. Yeah. I mean, it's, that process of checking your, I mean, I'm constantly checking my motives right now to a fault almost. It's like, why are you doing this? Why are you saying that? What does that mean? What's behind that? And like with photography, um, it's really the, the part of me, there's just part of me. It's just like, just take the fucking picture and show the work, just show the picture. I don't want to explain how I got to that picture. I don't want to explain why I took the picture. I, I don't want to tell you how, um, that part of me that, that makes it, that creates that, that moment between you and I and how I see you and how I photograph you and, and the years behind that, that got me to that place to be able to look at you and, um, and to, to tell about you in, in this way. I, I don't want to talk about all that. I just want to show the work. And if you like what you see, and if you're if you feel like you can be honest with me, for me, in this time, great. Let's do it. Mm-hmm. That's that's really all all I want to do. Yeah. Yeah. It's like stripping it all down and just like you said, it's just the truth. Yeah. Right? Yeah. You don't know. Get that. But then well, I have to frame it and make it nice and look for content that describes that. And then, yeah, I should put that out there on my website and keep tweaking it and, you know, et cetera, et cetera. And I just, it's so exhausting. Mm-hmm. I take the picture. Yeah. <laughs> which is, you know, which it, when it comes down to, you know, now that we can hear our intuition better because we have that, we have this clarity now, really, that's, I think, how we show up as authentically as we can. Well, you know, I like it. It's, you know, I frame this as, as something that's beautiful. So here it is. I had an experience with it. (laughs) And that has been one of my things. I mean, I, I truly believe that like, um, transparency breeds transparency. Mm -hmm. If I'm honest with you, there's a part of you that may want to be honest with me. And that that doesn't always work out that way, but I'm willing to take that risk, those risks more often now. And I, um, after the fires here in Sonoma County, I had a a client that I had shot her wedding like 18 years ago. And, um, she sent me an email. She lost her house and everything in it. And she wanted to know if I still had the negatives from her wedding, which I did not. Mm. Um, 
have those. And um, I thought about her email for a while and how I was going to respond. And I, um, and the the thing that stood out for me was the fact that, um, and and I wrote this to her. And I felt hesitant, but I just decided, you know what, fuck it, you're just going to say this because it's not the most professional thing to say in this situation. But I, I said, you know, I think it is an amazing accomplishment that you're still married. Yeah, it's true. <laughs> it's true. Um, Amen. So I offered, I said, would you be interested in celebrating who the, you and your husband are today? That's beautiful. Uh, and. I said, let's, let's do a shoot. Um, and we'll see what she, she was a little hesitant when she came, when she replied to my email about that. But, you know, in, in the past, I would probably wouldn't have said that to her. No, you probably would have said, of course, I don't have your damn photos. No, it's been 18 years. Sorry. (laughs) Where am I going to archive those things? Of course. No, I mean, I would have felt all those things and I would have tried to be empathetic and I would have, I I wouldn't have talked about what I was really feeling. Right, right. Because I'm giving her a part of me too. Yeah, it's speaking to a part of me too. It's like, wow, you know, that is a true accomplishment because I understand how, um, how difficult that can be at times to carry through with two, you know, two lives together along a pathway somehow, some way for 18 years. And, um, I know it has nothing to do with the fire or the fact that your home and all your possessions have been destroyed, but I'd like to speak to that for a minute. Well, that's a shift and a, and that's a pivot, right. From where the, the place that she was wanting from the past. Right. And you can't give that to her. But hey, I have this other thing to offer, and maybe we can look forward, right? And and take this right. moment of where you're at right now. That's really beautiful, Michelle. Yeah, I think that was a, a beautiful offering, and I think that that's that. You know, you're right about the transparency that speaks to you know who you are as a person, and you, you know, you can we can only, I mean, I'm just know myself more and better every day, so. Wow. That, yeah, that's, um, I was just thinking that's like for her, what it was like. And then what happened was this fire and what it's like now that she's still married to the man that, you know, she got married to. I always think weddings are so incredibly optimistic. Um, says the jaded, uh, woman who's been with her spouse for 19 years, (laughs) you know, it's very optimistic. Um, so yeah, that, that they've been married for 18 years that's a really beautiful, a beautiful, beautiful thing to celebrate, especially after what happened here. Mm. Well, we're kind of getting to the end here. Is there anything, Michelle, that you want to promote or anything that you, you know, before we do our three, before we do our three favorite thing, our toolbox items? Um, well, I always like to get hired. Yeah. We'll definitely be putting your website um, in the show notes. And you are you are taking on clients, right? I'm taking on clients. <laughs> Absolutely. Yeah. Great. We'll definitely share your work. And what about your home? You probably don't want to give your home information, but um, if people were... If anyone is interested in a 
rustic farmhouse location. Um, you can find all that information on westcountycalifornia.com. Oh, perfect. Perfect. All right. Well, thank you, Michelle. Thanks for the conversation. Thank you. Um, do you have in three items for your unruffled toolbox? I do. Ooh, excellent. And for any new listeners, um, this is just a part of the show at the end where we ask, you know, either Sandra and I share or we have our guests share three things that help keep them unruffled, which is calm, not agitated. And, um, that can either be from a recovery toolbox or from a creative toolbox. Like what, what is your thing that helps, you know, your top, your top three things that help you move through the day? Um, I make my bed every morning. Mm. Start the day that yeah. way. That's a yeah, good one. It's kind of, it just it sums up everything that I'm about. <laughs> <laughs> and right. I don't know why, but it's, it's just a good start. I like um, that. Yeah. I do okay. not. I do not make my bed every morning. And you know what? I do. That might be a good start yeah. for me. <laughs> I, I do too, Michelle. I make my bed every morning. And um, because somebody told me to do that in the beginning of my recovery. And ah, so, really? yeah, mm-hmm. somebody told me to do that. And so I uh, still do it. <laughs> yeah, it's one. I mean, I do think the little things are the big things. And um making my bed is a little thing, but it, it has a bigger, um, impact. Mm-hmm. And I would say coffee is super important to me. Coffee <laughs> and other warm beverages. Okay. Same. Yeah. Uh, I just also, I mean, I like the feel and the look of mugs. Yeah. So, Tactile. Holding them. And, uh, yeah. Uh-huh. Yeah. yeah, I like what's inside of them. I like holding them. Um, yeah, yeah so I get you there. And um, I think my third thing that lately is just um, that I find very inspiring and um, is I just like having more genuine conversations with people I don't know very well. Mm. And I've um, that. I can find those anywhere as long as I make the effort. Um, it, it's a bit of a risk um, at times, but I've always enjoyed the outcome. It's always been worth it. Yeah. Yeah. Do you find you're a better listener now? Absolutely. Yeah. I like that. Oh, thanks so much, Michelle. Thank you. Yes, Michelle. So Thank you. All right. All ladies, let's go out and enjoy this day have a good one have a good one guys bye bye michelle the unruffled podcast was created and produced by sandra primo and tammy salas our show is edited and mixed by steve hecht original music composed and performed by nmmd original artwork created by tammy with the help of graphic designer chris aguirre thanks for listening 